You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard, and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I hope everyone is well. I am slightly exhausted because I've had two events back-to-back, but really incredible events. On Tuesday night, I went to the launch of Relevant Skin. If you guys remember Nikkeo, she's the founder of 13 Loon, which is an incredible, inclusive beauty retailer based here in LA. She has Relevant Skin, but she's now launched Relevant Cosmetics, and Nicole Ritchie is the new muse and kind of face of the brand. So she and Nicole Ritchie did an event that was at Nicole Ritchie's father's house, Lionel Ritchie's house, in this beautiful kind of like open courtyard in Beverly Hills. It was this like really fabulous dinner and so many amazing people were there, but I had to get all dressed up and do makeup and hair and the whole thing. And then last night, I was covering an event for The Hollywood Reporter. They have an issue every year where they talk about where they talk to interview and feature the top glam squads behind A-list talent. So Who's doing Dakota Johnson's hair? Who is the glam squad behind Gabrielle Union, Charlie Theron, Zoe Saldana? So you had all of this incredible talent there. But the thing that was so cool for me was I was meeting people that I've interviewed on Naked Beauty in the room. It was like Larry Sims was there. He's the cover star. I, I interviewed him with Gab Union on the podcast, if you'll remember, about creating Flawless and his relationship with her doing her hair all of these years. Nikki Nelms was in the building. Nikki Nelms is always a great time. And it was also so cool to be able to meet and talk to Janelle Monet for the first time in person, right? Like we had this hour long podcast interview where we were going deep about her relationship with beauty, but that was over Zoom. So it was really cool to be able to be in the room with her to talk over dinner. I got to hang out with my like kind of new beauty bestie, Sir John, who's just incredible. I'm so excited for you all to hear him on the podcast. I got to spend time with Kelly Rowland. I was like, I am in a room with all of these people that I admire so much and I'm doing what I love, but also I'm a little tired. I'm exhausted. I don't think I'm going to be wearing makeup for the next three days, but that energy to keep going and get after it and be at all of the places. My guest today really exemplifies that. Like Blake Newby, if you follow her on TikTok, you know, she is at an event every single day of the week. She's doing TV appearances. She's doing brand deals. She's going to fabulous parties. She seems to have an endless source of energy, but she's a real beauty girl and a beauty lover. And she's just so warm and personable. I know you all are going to love this episode, but we really get into her career, her evolving relationship with herself and her own self-image, what it's like to put yourself out there for criticism, anxieties about being on TV and always having to look perfect or the perception that you have to always look perfect. But we also, in this episode, get a real peek behind the scenes on the world of editorial, the gifts, the glamour, the brand trips and warm tropical locations at five-star hotels, how all of that works and how that influences the stories that are written by these publications. There are a lot of politics and dynamics at play that aren't often discussed. So I was really happy when Blake and I could get into it. But you'll hear we were only able to get into it so much because even though Blake doesn't even work at a magazine anymore, right? She's an independent free agent. We still don't want to say these companies by name. So pseudonyms were used to protect the innocent, but you all will hear what we're talking about when we get to that part of the conversation. This is a really great listen. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Let's get into it. I've been wanting to interview Blake for a while, and I'm so happy we made this happen. Blake Newby, I am so excited to be talking to you for Naked Beauty. 
specifically because of the career you've had in the beauty industry, your lifelong love of beauty, (laughs) and also just the way that you show up and keep it real and just kind of advocate for all of us, like beauty lovers, right? Like, I feel like everything you do is for the people. You're in the industry, but you're for the people. That's like the greatest compliment ever. Because that's like what I want to do. Like, I never want to seem out of touch. I never want to be too. And I always think about like, I wouldn't be in this position if it wasn't for doing that, because these are the women, men, non-binary folks who sustain me in my platform. So like, that is the ultimate compliment. Yes. And it's well-deserved. And I think that to your point about being out of touch, it is amazing to me beauty editors don't even ask the price of things. They're just like, oh, I love this, Sarah. I'm like, they don't even know how much it costs, right? And it's like, everything's like, throw everything, every mascara you've had before, you need this, right? And I feel like you're one of yes. these voices that's like, you don't need this. You yes. just this. save your money. This is worth investing in, you know? I just feel like that sort of just honesty is what makes you someone that people love to follow and love to cheer you on. So, Blake. Yes. <laughs> Incredible resume. I don't know how you distill it down to just a few of the places you've worked, but could you just give us a brief career overview so we can understand your position in the industry today? Sure. So I moved to New York immediately two weeks after graduation. I graduated from Howard. I took the first job that would get me to New York. So that was CBS News. I used to tell people that I wanted to be Soledad O'Brien. I quickly realized I did not want to be Soledad O'Brien. And so it was within four months that I got a new job at Glamour Magazine. So that was my first foray into beauty and fashion editorial. I've always loved beauty. Like Beat by Blake was a thing in college. I did $15 full faces. I did full faces for $15. Now thinking about that price, it's outrageous. I was very much under short selling myself. But I've always loved beauty and fashion. So when I realized the women that I looked up to at the time who were in editorial, like you think about Tia Williams, who was kind of like the first Black editor who pivoted influencer, you know, Mickey Taylor, like those were the women who I kind of looked to. And so I, again, was at Glamour as a beauty assistant. So that is a crash course. Anybody that has ever been an assistant, fashion, beauty, doesn't matter. That is truly a crash course. From there, I went freelance because I really wanted to write. And I ended up writing for Cosmo, Refinery29, L, Women's Health, and took Essence as a client. Essence was my client for maybe about nine months before my then boss asked me if I wanted to come over and run everything beauty and fashion over at Essence Magazine. So I was there at Essence for almost a year and a half. And then I have recently taken the leap of faith on myself. So I am full-time Blake about the full-time Blake show. I've taken a a similar leap after you. And wouldn't you say it is paid off to take the risk? Oh, absolutely. I think, of course, you're nervous at first. But I think that if you're not nervous, at least a little bit nervous, then you don't have that push and that like this has to work. And so I think that the nerves come from like, I know this can work, like I knew, but it's from caring. But it has been the best decision that I have made in a really long time. Yes. And also exhausting, do you find? I find that I'm working so hard. I'm like, can someone like step in and tell me to work less? Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's weird because people will be like, how do you go, go? And I'm like, I have these gaps, but the go, go, go is so intense in between the gaps, I don't want to do a thing. And even when you're not physically going at it, as I'm sure you can relate, like you're thinking about, okay, what's next? Even on vacations, it's always what's next. Or in our case, what do I need to post? Even when we're supposed to be off the grid, it's like, well, the TikTok algorithm will stop agreeing with me if I don't, if I go so many days without posting. So I need to figure out some content. So you know how it is. It is nonsense. I feel like I never get to turn on. Mm. Well, we're going to talk about what you do for real self-care, because I do think that if you're type A and ambitious, that is a difficult thing to do. And I'm so happy that you mentioned all of your years writing for all of these publications, because we're going to get into that as well. But first, I just want to hear about what it was like for you growing up and Mm. if you felt beautiful growing up. What was your proximity to beauty? Were you aware of it? Did you feel beautiful? Nobody's ever asked me that. Did I feel beautiful as a child? I think that I felt as beautiful as most Black girls did 
almost 30 years ago, if that makes sense, right? So it was like, we weren't as represented, but we were represented, right? We did have the Nia Longs, we had the Robin, like we saw what it could be when we were older, but I think it is so different now. I feel like now when I see little Black girls growing up, there's such an emphasis on telling them often that they're beautiful, that they're enough, like affirmations are all of these things. And I think that there were certain things that just, certain tools that just parent or just that parents and just society took that were different things. So when I- Were, were those affirmations that you didn't hear from your parents growing up? So they always told me I was beautiful and all of these things, but I think that it's different to see it. I also came up in the 90s, right? It's one thing when your parents tell you that you're beautiful, right? And it's another thing when the women that you want to look like don't look like you. For example, like we were talking before this, I'm not a naturally small girl. All of the women who I was looking to at that time were smaller women. So I definitely develop body issues very early in life. Like my body issues have been since I was a child. Like I have always had. How early? I would say maybe about seven or eight. Okay. Seven or eight is when I started. To, so it was like, it was never the face thing. Like when I think about beauty for me, it was never about how I looked in the face. For me, the beauty thing has always been my body and how I felt about my body. I've always looked up to women in these really high public facing places, which explains why I do what I do now. But. Like I said, it, the, the look was smaller. Were there specific kind of pop stars or personalities that you can remember looking at and thinking, okay, they have the perfect body? Yes. So what is crazy, it's like, it's, a, it's very different from the Blake now, but I grew up in predominantly white Catholic schools. So it was like the thing, like Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Jeannie in a Bottle era was like a big thing. And then I was, how old was I? I was like nine when Dangerously in Love came out. And it's like this woman with washboard abs. I went through the awkward stage. There are some girls who got to skip it. I did. I did not get to skip it. So I'm sitting there. I don't love the way I look. Acne is starting. I feel like I carry a lot of weight in my stomach. So I hate my stomach specifically. So it was like, mm. it was just this constant thing that continues to know that I think doesn't re- exist as fervently now but yeah so I feel like did I feel pretty I think that there were times but I would dare to say most of the time not because of my views of my own body wow wow we're gonna talk about how you've repaired that relationship over time but I would imagine that going to the all-white catholic school (laughs) somehow also played a role in you wanting to go to Howard right and wanting to go to an HBCU and be around kind of a black community what was it like for you to go from a very white environment into Howard University and all the beautiful blackness that is there. Well, so what my parents did do is high school, they did not have me in Catholic schools. Okay. And my parents were, I will say, even having me in white Catholic schools, especially when I think they started to see its effects on me and the way that I view myself and even the way I view the world, they started making bigger strides and steps to making sure that I was around black girls as much as possible. So in high school, all of my friends were Black. But when it came to going to Howard, my parents went to Spelman and Morehouse. I'm a Spelhouse baby. You know, my parents really didn't give me a choice. Like, it was always like I had to go to an HBCU. Okay. So you knew you were going to an HBCU. So, So what was your experience like at Howard? It was the best four years of my life. I learned so much about myself, so much about others. People who I consider lifelong friends to this day are the ones that I met there. You know, I pledged when I was there. I did the full HBCU experience. I did everything. And I can confidently say that I would not be where I am today, both through the hustle that it taught me and the connections that it provided me. I would not be where I am today without an HBCU. My first job was given to me by a Black woman at CBS who had gone to Spelman and we drew the HBCU connection. HBCUs are so ingrained in my life, in my career path. College is one of those things where while you're in college and for people that are listening to this that are in college or university, I don't know if you realize that this is probably the best time of your life and where you're going to meet the most amount of people and change the most. And sometimes I wonder, while I was in it, did I recognize how transformative the experience Mm -hmm. was? I don't know if I did. I didn't because if I did, I wouldn't have been so 
just like all college students, by year four, you're like, okay, I'm ready to get out. I'm ready exactly. to leave. And now I'm like, please put, I would give anything to go back. <laughs> please take me back. Yes. Writing and broadcasting and what you're doing now as a television personality, it's all something that you always wanted to do. And you always yeah. kind of had a voice. I think one of probably the harsh realities when you get into the industry of writing and writing for these publications, which you listed at the start, is realizing how commercially driven they are, right? And I think that even for people that are beauty shoppers and beauty consumers, I don't think people really understand how a lot of the beauty journalism works. Yeah. One of the things that I learned about recently is, you know, any beauty publication, any magazine, they are basically making money off of affiliate links, which I didn't even know that. The thing is, I think what people don't realize, especially now, beauty is the number one advertiser. Beauty drives and sustains entire publications, not just beauty. You know what I'm saying? Like the money that comes in for beauty can sustain entire publications based on advertising. And so I think what people don't realize is that it is a business first and a beauty vessel after. But remember that it is business first. Yes. And editors or people that are writing these stories, their performance is measured by how many clicks articles are getting. It's not like, Oh, the length of time on site, the nope. the positive sentiment nope. towards the brand. It's basically how many products were you able to push in this article? Yep. yep. Crazy enough, uh, where I'm at right now is having a conversation with an e-com writer. And he was like, I just got laid off because they said I wasn't reaching metrics, right? Like it is these publications, especially now that print and digital is not what it used to be. These publications are slaves to numbers and uh -oh. slaves to to how many clicks it gets. My mom, every single time I'd publish a story or she'd see something, the first thing she texts me is, okay, so does this really work? Because she had finally understood that like, this is a business first. Advertisers are the first priority. They have to be satisfied first. If there's a major advertiser coming in, they will always get first priority on yes. being in the roundups, being in the listicles, being in the, they will always get priority. What's an example of a, a brand that's a big advertiser? It doesn't even have to be one that you're, you know, you've worked with personally, but just so we have an idea in our head. Like just who's generally a huge advertiser, like yeah. Procter and Gamble. We'll okay. just throw out that huge. PNG. I just pulled up the PNG portfolio, so they own everything from Dawn to Tide. This is okay. So let, we'll talk about Tide. We'll, Tide. We'll, we'll use the example of Tide. Let's say that this that that in fact laundry drove the publication, right? Let's say that laundry is beauty. That's what we'll say right now. So. You have tons of laundry brands, right? You have Tide, you have Seventh Generation, you have Method, you have all of the things, right? But if Procter & Gamble is pouring money into this publication monthly by monthly, quarterly, whatever the cadence is, when the opportunity comes for best laundry detergents on the market, you can guarantee that Tide will have a place on that list whether anybody on the team has tried Tide or not. You know, I'm so happy we used the example of Tide because, you know, the beauty industry is, it's sometimes it's, it's scary to speak out, right? And we can, Tide is a very safe example. So thank you for that example. The other layer, let's just continue with the Tide thread, is Tide throws a fabulous brand trip in Saint-Tropez. Right. Four nights at a villa that's $1,000 a night and invites you, you are going to write a favorable article about exactly. Tide. Exactly. I mean, it's called pay for play, which exists in most industries, right? Editorial is no different. And so you look out for self in some degree. If you know Tide is known for their big Santro patron, <laughs> or if you know that Tide sends really expensive Christmas gifts every year when Christmas comes around. Yes. There is still human error. And the thing is, I want to be clear, I'm, I, as an editor, I've not always been above it, right? So I, I, this is not mm. to sit here and say, oh, I no, I too like the glitzy Christmas present. I right. too love villas at $2,500 right. a month. I am no different. Right. But my life now, being out of editorial, does afford me the space to not be beholden to those things. So I don't have to force writing about that but it is we look out for yes. self as anybody else does there's yes. room for human error and the tea that i got about the glitzy christmas gift 
let's continue using Tide that they send to people. I heard from an editor that they specifically say, do not share this on social media because it kind of shows their hand a bit, right? Yes. So we do not post. Right. So imagine just listeners, imagine probably one of the most expensive luxury items in the world is sent to you from a brand that everyone loves and you can't post about it, but it's just this kind of like silent, like we see each other and we have each other's back. So Blake, to give this analogy of just how nice this, you know, holiday gift is, it would be as if Tide was sending you like a mini Birkin. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It is a gift that if I did not have to pay for it myself, I certainly don't want to. Right. And, you know, for people who are listening to this and maybe on their high horse, they would never accept, but just if you don't mind Tide, if Tide is okay, if they sent you a Birkin and brought you to a fabulous trip around the world and they'll do it next year too, yeah, maybe you put it in the roundup. Now, I have never been an editor. I've never been a journalist. I know that there are certain standards, but I can see how the way that being a writer in New York works is like they pay you so little that the perks of the job have to, I mean, it has to account for something. And that's why, to your point, anybody on their high horse, I'm like, say, literally shove it, literally shove it. If you don't know what it's like, I was a beauty assistant making $27,000 a year. Wow. Until you have experienced $27,000 a year, hell, until you have experienced $50,000 a year in New York City, Mm-hmm. trying to live a decent life. I do not want to hear that you would not accept dinners and you wouldn't accept trips and you wouldn't accept nice things. You would. Now, the issue comes when that is the center of all that you do. And right. it was never the center of all that I did. And I was a fantastic journalist. I pushed good journalism. I pushed good beauty awards. I pushed good listicles, all of those wonderful things. But yes, I'm a human being. Right. Who was in right. editorial. And like you said, anybody that knows editorial knows that when I was in editorial, I was making pennies up really, relatively speaking for New York, I was making pennies up until the time I left editorial. And and that's when you get to these lists where it's have 127 different entries or 200, because there's so many different people to please and yep. like nod to and say thank yep. you to yep. and acknowledge. Yep. And, and I don't think that people have this kind of like media literacy. One of the things that you said it was an interview that you did with the CFDA. So you said that you're always very nice when you were working in editorial to the writers that you worked with because you were kind of aware of the fact that they were being stripped of the thing that they love, the creativity, the joy, the flair. Like you had this clarity that they were essentially writing pieces to drive clicks. So you were like, the least I could do was just be a kind person. At bare minimum. And let them write about things that were important to them so long as the bottom line was. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and that makes you an incredible boss. How do you think your kindness has served you in the industry? Mm -hmm. My first question, but I also want to hear, how do you think your kindness has worked against you? So I think it's served me in what I'm living and standing in now. It's like whatever people have, oh, this is an idea for this, or this is an idea for this. They think of Blake and they'll call me and they, because I'm nice and they want to work with me and all these things. I think even this, right? Like I'm here right now at a big event for a really huge conglomerate that has a ton of beauty. And I'm not an editor. And they continue to invite me every year and fly me out every year because they're just like, we just like being around. Blake is just cool to be around. And I think, so there have been so many doors that have opened for me just because people are like, Blake is nice. Blake is easy to work with. Blake doesn't come in with a big chip on her shoulder. Now, how it has worked against me is because this industry is very cutthroat. And I, I, but I will say it took, about a year and a half, two years to get fully adjusted to understanding, like, number one, Blake, you're not going to be everybody's cup of tea. For a long time, the opinions of others could make or break my day and make or break my mood and make or break. Now it's like, okay, I don't care. I don't care. And the more public you get, as I'm sure you've experienced, the more public you get, the more of an open book you choose to be, the more you choose to share, the more people just have opinions. And so now I'm just like, I mean, well, God bless you and whatever opinion you have. There's something that my mom shared with me that I've always found so helpful about if I feel like, oh, are people going to take it the wrong way or are people going to have negative opinions? She always says, do good, fear not. Meaning if you do good and you treat people well, then there's nothing to worry about because if someone's going to misconstrue, that's not really your thing. As long as you are 
you know, holding yourself to the standard that you want to be at. Other people's opinions don't matter. Now, what I can relate to that you're saying is you see a hundred positive comments, but the one I was looking mm -hmm. at my Apple podcast reviews and I was so tempted to sort by rating and just mm -hmm. hit one star. And I was like, what is wrong with my site? But I want to yep. even look at a one star review like that. Is yep. sick. Well, look at all of them. Sure. And then yep. the one star one comes up, but I didn't even want to read the five star ones. I was like, no. Let me see what the, the one yep. negative review is. How have you been able to break yourself of that? And what does it feel like? just like physically in your body when you read mm -hmm. something negative about you from a stranger on the internet? What well, used to be the body reaction that's such a good question because it, as I'm sure you've seen, it's almost visceral. Like you mm -hmm. said, you will bypass a million and one good comments just to read that one and let that one ring in your head all day long. I think, you know, I now, like, I really value the good ones and I continue to value the good ones, but the bad ones, it's like, the way that I view bad comments now is it's always like, the comment is always something dumb. You know what I'm saying? It is always a projection. What's an example of negative things? Because I, I, you're so genuine and endearing online. You share your, what could people say that's negative about Blake? I don't get tons, but when I first started making TikToks, of course, girls were saying that I had the jitters. And so that was a thing. The what, girls would cry. What does that mean? What does that the mean? girls would talk because I touched my hair a lot. And girls would be like, why did she touch her hair? The one video actually that got me on Tamron Hall show, everybody was, it made it to Twitter and everybody was saying that I was on drugs. And once your video goes over to Twitter, once the Twitter gets your video, it's just like, it, you don't even know which direction it's going to go. I did Though, not know this happened to you. That is wild. It was a thing. It was on Twitter. It was like, it was my friends who are like, you know me. I'm like, I need to preserve the image. My friends are cursing people out in comments. <laughs> my friends are like, my friends who don't have public banking jobs, literally cursing everybody out. What I friends. do, I have wonderful friends, but I try to think the number one comment that I get is usually from super prude, judgy women. Mm. who tell me that I show too much cleavage. Oh my! And goodness. I tend to, that is the most frequent one. And the thing is, like I said, it all sounds like projection because I'm just like, you know what, Nancy? It seems like you're in my comments because you are afraid to show your tits and maybe you should. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I love that you've been able to get to that place. Are there still things that could bother you or do you feel like you've really moved to a place where you're almost immune? No, I'm definitely not immune. I just signed with a big TV agency and all these things where I'm like, there are going to be more gripes that people have. Yeah. And so I, I am not immune because to the point that I even think about what people will say when I am on an even larger platform shows that I'm not immune or fully all the way there yet, but I'm working on it. Like this is a work in progress, but I will say, I have made full peace with the fact that, Blake, if you want this television thing so bad, then you are going to have to be okay with what might come with it. Yeah. Yes. The thing that I worry about as someone who cares about you and admires you is putting yourself in this position of television, which is just mm -hmm. like a brutal industry. Um, and then I think about some of the thoughts you had about yourself as a little girl. I know you were an adorable little girl, even without seeing things, but you know, you talked about having those body image issues and then to thrust yourself into this medium where, you know, as your platform grows, people will have more to say. How are you taking care of yourself to make sure that you don't slip into unhealthy patterns with your body, a healthy relationship with your own self-image? I think I have to think about it a lot. You know what I'm saying? The thing is, I think when I was a teenager, even when I was in college, Hating your body was just kind of like something that we all did. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't think into the depths of it, right? And like the emotional ramifications of it and things like that, where it's like, I'm now at a place where I don't even have a child. And I think about the ways that I am going to converse and say things to my children around their bodies. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think about the relationship that I want my children to have with their bodies. And so I try to talk to myself the way that I want to talk to my daughter. And, and so it's like, it really is like talking to my child. What are the things that childhood me needed so that she wouldn't feel this way? I'm not above it. I'm not above the fact that I still struggle with body dysmorphia. My relationship with food hmm. is much healthier. 
now than it used to be. Like I, it used to be crash diets. That's what we all do. You just crash diet and you would do all of those things. And then you would binge right after all of those things. I have shifted from that. So I don't do that anymore. So I have like, I have a much healthier relationship with food, but I don't know. Some things are just too ingrained, right? And that is what I've also made peace with, peace with is I think that the world wants us to make these mass shifts at one time. And what I think is, what I think I've realized is that I, there will be parts of me that always hate parts of my body. There will always be parts of me that view my body differently than what it actually looks like. But what is important is that I make steps so that it doesn't control me or that's so that it never gets to the point that it was when I was 20, 21, 22, right? Like, so I think, I, I, will, I don't think I'll ever not think about how my body looks, especially now that I have chosen this career. It is just now putting boundaries on it. Yeah. You've brought up so many amazing points about our relationship with body image, but one that always stands out to me is how as women, as still as criticized as we are for our appearance, we're supposed to have perfect self-esteem. We're supposed to yep. score 100% on the, I love my body and all of yep. my flaws yep. exactly as they are. And if yep. you aren't 100% there, it's some sort of personal failing almost. Yep. It's like a gaslighting. It's like, yep. we show you what people desire and what hotness is. And then we expect you to, even if you fall outside of that, love yourself anyway, right? Yep. It's, it's yep. just, yeah, it's toxic body positivity. I want to talk about the industry in terms of now being on camera talent and beauty standards that go into that, because you are also, although the content of what you say is of course, incredibly important and you've got a great personality and you bring a lot of storytelling to everything that you do. A lot of what you do is how you look. And yes. I'm always curious to hear from people where like their livelihood and their profession is tied to their physical appearance, right? Like yes. you, you have to keep your nails done. You have to yeah. keep your hair done. Yes. What's that like? It is, it is expensive. It is, it's like, I used to read those tweets where it was like, you're not ugly, you're just broke. Remember when people used to tweet that when they'll show the before and afters and things like that? And now ugly is, is such a mean word, but you understand, especially when you come into TV or roles where you have to be front facing, you understand why the beauty industry will never go anywhere and why it will continue to make so much money. I spend now so much money on professional skincare regimens, dermatologists, not just estheticians. I'm like, I need to be in with therms. I'm doing like, even the things it's like, people are like, you look so good. Well, I'm doing a lot of things internally. So I have this intense supplement regimen, right? There's so many details being put out here. We need to go back and give, we need to give the girls the details. So. I let's think, talk about, let's talk about, well, first let's talk about your dermatologist and like cosmetic enhancement. Yes. I've, I've seen little vlogs on TikTok and I'm like, oh my gosh, Blake is doing all of these things and everything looks so good. It like makes me feel like, okay, should I try some of these things? But then I get nervous, but then you show it's not a big deal. What all are you doing? So I do a lot of microderm. Okay, um, microderm abrasion. And microderm that's just for abrasion. like a smoother. Yep. Complexion. I live by tretinoin. Live by tretinoin. Yes live by it. I had to shift my routine because as an editor, I tried too much product and I ruined my skin barrier. So now my focus now has been skin repair and skin barrier. So I go to Dr. Ingleton and, you know, she handles that, but it's like, you know, love Dr. Ingleton to death and not stopping anytime soon. But these really high-end dermatology offices in New York City do not accept insurance. So that is all out of pocket. So I am paying for all of these things completely out of pocket. I do fillers, and I do injectables, which I don't really pay for transparently. All the girls are like, how do you, I don't pay for them. They don't they're make very me expensive. They are expensive, but, and this is going to sound bad. As many of the times that I've gotten fillers and injectables, I could not tell you what a vial of Botox costs. And I've written about it in the store, you know, when you pull the price thing and you have, you lay it out, but I have never paid for injectables before ever in my life. So wow. it's always, Yeah. So what are you getting injected and how often? Because you look beautiful. Thank it's you. It's totally natural. I don't so I, do I, too I need much. the details. I need the details. So I don't do too much because I've done too much. That's also been on my TikTok where my face mm. looks heavy for some months or things like that. Like I have done too much. My mom is texting me like, what the fuck did you do to your face? But then again, having people that tell you like slow down. So I always have some Botox. Oh, it's moving a little bit. Okay, we're due. We're due for another. 
So you uh, want to so be frozen. You want the forehead. I, I enjoy the frozen look. I know the girls, some girls don't like frozen. I like frozen. I get Xeomin. So I do the Xeomin injectables. That's essentially Botox. It's the same okay. thing as a neuromodulator. I just start, started getting lip flips. Um, okay, so that's Botox above your above upper the lip. lip. Yep. And what is, is it to make your upper lip look more full? It sits, it makes it a little bit more full and a little bit it up, more upturned. So, for example, a lot of people, myself included, when they smile, their lip folds under. What the lip flip does is it just keeps the lip from folding under. I go to Dr. Henry sometimes. Dr. Henry isn't great with my injectables. She'll sometimes do some in the jaw just to make my face appear a little bit longer since I have such a round face. I think what people don't realize is I got my first Botox treatment when I was 22. My mom was pissed. Wow. My dad was pissed. But I was a beauty assistant. Broke. You got it offered for free. I and a publicist offered to take me for Botox. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. I know. It's, I mean, obviously at 22, you're like not a child, but they're just, it feels like there should be. There was no reason. There was no reason for me to have Botox at 22. Yeah. I feel like no. that's like reckless of the older <laughs> editor to invite you to do. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, oh, I get, it is. It's all a trickle down effect, you know? And yes. it's like, and so, I, but those are the things that I get. I get a lot of like physical. So I'll do a lot of lymphatic massages. I know I posted that I get the buckle massages sculpted by Joseph is who does mine. And he's like in my mouth, smoothing my face out. Recently, I was obsessed with it. It's the best, but it's expensive. Why? Because it is physically taxing on the person that is doing it. Right. So between that, keeping my hair done, keeping my nails done, these supplements. I, I need to hear what supplements you're taking. We also need to get into your favorite skincare products. Yes. Let's go back to the fillers, though, for a moment. Like, one of the things that worries me is when people say that they don't dissolve. Like, that, sorry, that they never really go away, right? Like, mm -hmm. that they kind of always mm -hmm. stay in your system and that they're always there. And over yep. time, it just collects and collects. Have you talked yep. to your injectors about that? What do they say? Well, so it can and it can migrate, which is why I don't do a lot of filler anymore. I do more injectables. So everything that I listed that I have now that is fresh or like that you see on my face is, it, is a neuromodulator, not filler. So I don't have any Juvederm in my face right now. Everything should have dissolved enough. Again, not all the way. You know, we don't know how much it does, but not all the way. But when I have had those conversations, I mean, it's tricky because you have these conversations and it's like these things are FDA approved and they go, whatever that means. And, you know, they've gone through these through these vetting processes. The people who I have gone to are true professionals in the industry, right? And so that's why I always warn girls, do not go get Botox in the nail salon. Do not go get filler in the nail salon. Do not go to where you get your waxes. You know what I'm saying? I think that when we talk about the dangers of it, a lot of it is on the provider. Yes. I will also say, which I think you'll agree with me, you can go to someone with a sterling reputation that's in a very expensive office in Beverly Hills, blah, blah, blah. And they could also ruin your face and you can have a bad reaction. So you aren't immune to it, but the more research you do, the better. I totally the agree better. with that. Which no. supplements are you taking? So I take, and again, talk to your provider first, because I did make the mistake of diving headfirst into the holistic supplement pond without proper blood work first. And then when I finally got the blood work, they were like, you didn't need all of these things. So what I am mm. taking now, what, what my blood work show, I'm curious. I had excessive vitamin D. So whereas most okay. people, black women, particularly black women, are, are vitamin D deficient. Yes. I create a lot of vitamin D. My body just has normal vitamin D level. I was taking like 800 milligrams of vitamin D supplements a day. My levels were outrageous. And, then, right. and they're like, why are your vitamin D levels so high? I'm like. Maybe that's why you were jittery in the video. That's why I'm like, right, because I, I have too much vitamin D in my system. So I take magnesium and turmeric specifically for love. my anxiety. Love. Um, I love magnesium. So, so underrated, especially for night. Like I love a magnesium. It's the so best. Much. I take yes. it at night. I take a lemon ball for the anxiety girlies. You must, you must be on the lemon ball. I do berberin. Which it, some people use it for appetite suppressant. I, that's not my reason for using it. It has tons of wonderful benefits outside of appetite suppression. I've never thought about it as an appetite suppressant until recently. People are what calling. are the benefits? 
So it's good, great for brain health, great for circulation. And so that's fairly important for me, as I'm sure with you, like when you travel a lot, when you're out and about a lot, like circulation and cardiovascular health is really important. Black seed oil, which every, you know, I feel like people are really coming around to the black seed oil now. Of course, the B12, I just do a dissolvable B12 and a daily vitamin. And then in the nighttime, if I need more, then I might take a melatonin, you know, whatever my body needs. It's about listening to your body, especially for sleep things. Cause it's like, if I'm not having problems with sleep, I don't need to be popping a bunch of sleep supplements. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's all about figuring out what works for you and your body. And do you get sleep? Cause you're out like six nights a week, you know, and not even like out at one thing every day. So you're going to four to five events and then having fun and energy. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I'm tired on behalf of Blake. Are you sleeping? Are the supplements doing a lot of heavy lifting for you? Like how do you stay energized? So yes, I had to make decisions this year. Either I was going to keep go or I was going to keep certain things in my life. So I gave up alcohol almost completely this year, which has tremendously lended to the energy. Not completely, like if it's a big event, like when I was at Anastasia's house this weekend, I have a glass of champagne. Like I don't deprive myself of it, but it used to be where I was having a cocktail at every single one of these events I was going to. So I just had to make certain decisions. Also the sleep. So now, yes, I do sleep. When I post on these TikToks, y'all, and I'm like, I went to six events, you can guarantee the sixth event I went on the front end and I was, and I tried to be in the bed. I, I am usually in the bed if it's an event night i'm usually in the bed no later than 10 and then if it's a non-event night if i am just in the house and i'm prioritizing rest and i've been home all day i'll get in the bed at eight eight o'clock wow but it's all about the but it's about the extremes when your my life exists in extremes so it's like the this world and all of these things like for example i'm on day 10 of not being home right now i've been home in 10 days but I feel rested because there's some things that I just won't compromise on. So if it's like, oh, this event, this event, well, Blake is on the first bus leaving the event. I've got you. Now, when you have all of these events and things to go to, it's like figuring out how to fit for each thing. And well, how's my hair going to be? And how's my makeup going to be? And that's all, as I have found, as I've done more and more events and things in LA, I'm like, uh, it's just like, yeah. it's just like a full time uh, job. Right. Just yes. like the booking of the people. And then it's, oh, how do you want your makeup to be? And what are yes. you wearing? And I'm like, yes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I have found, and this is a great piece of advice that I got from Candace when she was on the podcast. She was saying that she does like little mood boards almost for like her looks or her events. Like she'll say, like she kind of pulls together inspiration. And then I've used that for events that I've attended recently. Okay, what is the overall theme? I want to go for like a 90s supermodel yep. glam yep. with tones of brown. And then yep. that helps me so much. Like, hone in on because yes. if you just have the whole universe of clothes and makeup and hair it's just and as a black woman we can really do anything with our hair oh I mean, yeah oh yeah so how do you get to what you're going to wear for all of these events and things that you're going to and the beauty look too I tear my apartment apart like most girls which is why it's so funny because everybody's like we want a closet tour I'm like I got clothes in storage I have clothes on the couch the couch is now my second closet I have clothes in the closet. I'm like, I can't give you guys a real closet tour because there's clothes in every on every inch of my house, my one bedroom right. apartment, that is. I do try to plan like the best that I can if I can. But there are days where it is like I'm trying on four or five outfits and I'm like, I hate it all. So I think I will say now though, because I do travel so heavy, more beauty wise than fashion wise, because I travel so heavy, I do plan out every outfit for my days of travel. I don't just, it, like long gone the days when I would just throw things in a suitcase. Every outfit that I wear on a vacation was pre-planned, had a purpose, has an event. Yes. And then I'll throw in one or two extras, you know what I'm saying, if, if things come up. But I don't know. I think that I judge it more on my mood. It's like, what is my mood? Do I feel like being super glam? Do I want to do like something more casual, more chic? Yeah. I have never seen you casual in my entire life. Like, <laughs> when you said, do I want to do something glam? I'm like, I feel like the Blake brand it's is all consistent glam. <laughs> well, you all haven't seen me go to the bodega. So it's like, or, or Trader Joe's on those runs. It's a little different. But yeah, I think it all depends on my mood. And so we'll say the level of glam 
I, yeah. I, I want to go where. Yes. Got I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> now, you try everything. You get sent everything. You've been in the industry for forever. What products are really, like, impressing you right now? What are the products that you're grabbing for, whether that's, like, makeup, hair, skincare? What are you actually in love with and stands out to you? So like I said, with my skin, I'm repairing my skin barriers. So I am not doing tons of skincare transparently. So tretinoin is what I love, but of course that needs to be prescribed. What do I love? I'm so into body care these days. Mm. So into body care. So Man. every single day during the day. So after I shower in the morning, I put on um, slather by topicals. And vitamin E oil on top of it because I scar really easily. So I do that. And then Necessaire has this wonderful nighttime body retinol that's great. So I'm so into body products. I'm trying to get into dry brushing. The girls have told me that dry brushing is helpful. I do love a dry brushing session in the morning. See, so that's why I'm like trying to get into that. Hair, I mean, everybody knows my hair is always in extensions. So it's like my three holy grail hot tools are like, the T3 wide barrel curling iron, the Babyliss Pro flat iron, and the Dyson and the Dyson Airwrap. Okay, so is the Dyson Airwrap worth it? Because worth I everything. Recently, okay, because I got a five hundred dollar gift certificate to Violet Gray. Okay, and I was choosing between do I buy a bunch of luxury candles, you know, just like those overpriced candles that like of we love to have, or do I just buy this Dyson Airwrap? And I feel very torn. I say you get the Dyson Airwrap. I think that it is fantastic. And the thing about the Dyson Airwrap is now, when I first got it, it had seven attachments. I think now it has eight. I think everybody's assumption is that the Dyson Airwrap is to airwrap. It's what the Dyson Airwrap has two comb functions, three curling functions. There's a detangling function. Like all these have heads. So it really is a one-stop shop for you can blow dry it. Like I use mine more for blow drying than I do for the actual air wrap function. So yes, I've told everybody it is worth it. And if you don't believe me, if you don't want to take my word for it, uh, search Dyson Air Wrap for Black Girls on TikTok and watch the videos that pop up. Okay. You know what? It's, I'm, to our earlier point, I see Dyson everywhere. It's always in those Best of Beauty Awards. And I'm like, yep. what's Dyson doing on the back end to make They are not, happy? but you'll also And they don't, don't get, right? They're not advertisers. No, they're That's not. Ad they're not big advertisers. So the product is really as good as we're saying it is. Okay. Yes. Okay. What about fragrance? Do you have any fragrances that you just love? <sighs> Parfums de Marley. I feel like that's so many yeah. people's favorite, but they just do fragrance so well. I think I feel like Kali does fragrance yeah. really well. Which I which sense do you like from Marley and Kali? So, of course, Marley is Delina, everybody's favorite, the pink bottle. That is my, that's my personal favorite is Delina. And then for Kali Vanilla is the ultimate date night scent. And I hate vanilla. That says a lot. I hate vanilla fragrances. I am obsessed with Kali Vanilla. And I think while the fragrances aren't necessarily geared towards, well, they're, some are unisex. I think what Chris Collins is doing with fragrance as a Black man is really important. Absolutely. Right now, and he's strictly in the high-end luxury space. So I think it, it puts him in a completely different space, too, when we think about Black perfumers. And so the work that he's doing to kind of reach back to all other Black perfumers forward has been really impressive. Yes. What makeup products or, like, complexion products do you like? I feel like your foundation Ooh, always looks now gorgeous. This I can talk about all day. I don't have a ton of makeup today, but this I can talk about all day. Did um, you do your makeup today? I did a little bit. I have it, on a lash. It looks, oh, it looks like professional. I thought this was like professional glam. Oh, no, like I just have on a lash and I cold my brows and I put some concealer on my dark spot. But again, you see, this is what happens when you invest in a good derm because now my skin is like getting to a point where it's like the no makeup and a lash is like it, it can work. Oh, my God. Complexion products. So I have tried everything else and I keep coming back to my NARS matte formula the yeah. nars luminous i love rare beauties blushes yes they're so good but there's also they're so pigmented i feel like i have two and i'm like i'm gonna die before i <laughs> use all of these it's like you need like a, a half a, of a dot half for of your a entire dot. face half of a dot i am obsessed with the color happy i use that every single day 
I think that one size, I know everybody raves about the, the setting spray and the makeup removal spray, which are fantastic, but I love their bronzing powder. Ooh. Wonderful. I love their loose powder and they also have... Oh, yes, the pink great... powder. Well, I have the brown one. I don't have the pink one yet, but okay. they also have a great lip liner called Coin Collector. It's like this brown liner that I just, Ooh. I love it. But yeah, once and one size and Rare Beauty just kind of popped up influencers slash celebrity brands. But yep. I feel like they've really like earned their spot because the formulations are good. Oh, undoubtedly. They are, they are doing it fantastic. And who else is like, of course, Charlotte. I have the Charlotte concealer. I feel like a Charlotte moment is always okay. Necessary. I see. I've never tried the Charlotte Tilbury concealer. I love the lip pencils. Okay, and they're kind of like bronzer kits, but I haven't gotten into their concealer. Their newest concealer formula is great. And I'm trying to think of like what Makeup Forever's lip pencils. Really? Okay. I will swear by them for forever. They are the best. They last the longest. So that is what I love. And I always base with what people do swear by. I, I do base all of my makeup looks with the Charlotte Tilbury Magic Cream. I love that cream. I love yes. that cream. The yes. Good, just like plain, no actives, just like a good plain cream. Yep. 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 Thank you for that Of breakdown. course. I'm so happy that you gave us insight into the physical things that you're doing to sustain your energy in terms of supplements and getting your rest. But what drives you to show up every day and do the work that you do? Like, what do you feel like is your true purpose and place in this industry? Because we know that it's, I mean, and, and I'm sure you're very well compensated for what you do at this point in your career, but it, we know that it's not money that right. drives you, right? There's no amount of money that can really drive you the way that you are driven. What is it that motivates you? This is going to sound so corny and so cliche, but it really is people. Mm. Like, I think that, they're like what I want to do, right? Ultimately, like when people ask, what do you want to do? I tell them like, if you know who Maya Jama is, I want to be the US version of Maya Jama. Now I want to be Blake Newby, but it's hard to explain to people. Like, not only do I want to be in TV, but I want to continue the fashion arc and continue the beauty arc. And she has done that very seamlessly over in the UK. So I use that example. And so, but that's a people-driven business. And like, I think about impact and it's like, I, I didn't realize the levity of how much my just showing up and being me and using my talents has impacted other people until recently. And it's these girls who tell me that they're choosing to, they're choosing their majors around me and my journey. There are girls that are telling me that they quit their jobs, which Blake ain't never going to tell you to quit your job. But if you choose to do that from looking at what I've done, then, you know what I'm saying? Like girls who are like, I quit my job. Girls who are like, I'm ready to pivot. Girls who are like, your videos are my daily dose of, you know, I'm like serotonin. Like, it's things like that really, that do drive me is like impact. Like I think recently I was having this conversation on a panel I did. People are so obsessed with the notoriety and not the impact. And mm -hmm. I think that I've come really invested in the impact. And it's like, yes, I like the glitz, and but that's just what comes with what I want to do. Whereas I think the impact is more there. And I think too, Another thing that really drives me is my parents. Like I look at how much, and I've talked about this on TikTok, how much they've invested in me being able to fully chase my dreams by any means necessary is a privilege that not everybody has. And like anything, yeah. any idea that came to mind, any career pivot that came to mind, even if they were like, what the hell is going on? Or in my early 20s, they let me pivot as many times as I wanted. They let me change my mind. They let me you know, it, they, they were always that safety net. So I think one, and they love where I am. Like my mom, all she wants to do is like be my momager and follow me around. Like they get so excited and so happy at these things. And what I do, so I think that drives me a lot too, yeah. is not their, not even their approval, but just like, because they're honoring their sacrifices yes, that they made for you. Yes. Yeah, that drives me a lot. That drives yeah. me a lot. Like I tell them all the time, I'm like, I'm trying to retire y'all and put y'all in turks with the yacht that you want. Like, that is my goal for them. So I that is, that. yeah. So that drives a lot. And I love what you said about impact. I think about, what, I think it was one of the first times that we met. It was at one of the Black and Fashion Council dinners. Yes. We were like, oh, I've always wanted to be on Naked Beauty. I had that on like my vision board. And for me, that was so interesting to hear like, oh my gosh, this is like part of people's vision board. But the thing that drives me is, 
the bigger I make Naked Beauty as a platform, the more I can grow the podcast, the more people get to hear Blake's story, right? Like I, I am not trying to make a big platform because I think I'm great and amazing. It's like I, I truly want to grow my platform so that yeah. Naked Beauty has a real place in media and yeah. and I think it, it already does, I could say. It I'm does. Self, if it I'm going to self-compliment myself. But it's really about how do you grow the platform so that you can share more stories? And I just thank you for sharing your story so openly and honestly with me today. I have to close out by asking you two questions. One, I okay. want to know for the most booked and busy girl in the world, how do you take care of yourself? How do you unplug? I literally unplug. I will disappear and vanish into my apartment for days, sometimes days at a time. Like I literally just come up to let people know that I'm alive. Cold plunging has been a really big thing. I think that a lot of what my self-care looks a lot less physical because right that pours into the job almost right like all the things that we pour into physically and things like that but you know this year has been a really trying year for my anxiety the most trying I've ever experienced mm -hmm. and so I think that my self-care has looked like uh breathing like I always like deep breathing exercises all the time you know physical exercise affirmations waking up and speaking positivity into the world like I think that is what unwinding and self-care looks like because it's like people, life is seasons. And I, this year has been a season when it comes to figuring out my anxiety. As many of us deal with when we're switching careers or all of these things. So I think that, yes, what self-care looks like to me is pouring into my mental health more than my necessarily how I look physically or how things like that. And do you work with a therapist? I do. Oh, of course. I, I think all everyone needs therapy. It doesn't matter what you think your traumas are and aren't. If you think you don't have any traumas, everybody needs therapy. So I, I have a therapist and a psychiatrist. So I have both of them. And I work with a woman who does holistic healing. I have all three. And, and they are the trifecta for me right now. Yes, you're like paying all the professionals. Yep. Yep. Just get everything. I'm, I'm in my paraprofessional error. I love yeah. it. I Final question. I ask everyone, when do you feel most beautiful? I feel most beautiful when I am away from all of this, all of the New York, all of the industry stuff. And I'm just in my parents' house in sweats for days on end. But like around the holidays, I feel my most beautiful crazy. Like I said, I'm on 10 travel days, but I'm literally I'm flying out tonight to be in New York for one day and then I'm flying to be at my parents' house for a week because I just need that break and be with my parents. Like that is when I feel the most beautiful when I am surrounded by love, when I'm surrounded by people who want nothing from me, people who, you know, don't expect anything from me. They just, people, when I'm surrounded by people who just want me to show up and be, that is when I feel the most beautiful. I love that. I love that. And as a parent, that would be like my dream. If my son <laughs> gave an answer like he that, will. I, I, I did well. <laughs> but that's beautiful. And I'm excited for you to have that downtime. Like, it's just, you, it's you important. work so hard. Thank but you. We love following the journey. Your spirit <laughs> is undeniable. Thank you're such you. a light. Thank and you. it's been a pleasure getting to talk with you more on Naked Beauty. So thank you. Thank you. This is my dream. Vision board. I, I get to check it off. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. 
So that was Blake. I hope you all loved the conversation as much as I did. I hope you found it entertaining. If you loved today's episode, please share it to stories. Tag me at Naked Beauty Planet or at Brooke DeVard. Tell a friend about the podcast. I so appreciate your support. And stick around because Blake, as you heard from the beginning, she was doing Beats by Blake when she was in college. And she does her own makeup for a lot of these big events and TV appearances. Like, I have to hire out. Like, if I want to look really, really flawless glam, I need to call a makeup artist. Blake does it all herself. And I am a student here to learn. And she broke it all down. We did a whole mini episode all about her incredible makeup. I'm excited for you all to hear that. And today's podcast was produced by B.A. Kasanga. Thank you so much for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.